Hi, welcome to the podcast. In this session, we will cover ovarian cancer risk reducing salpingectomy. As there is no screening test for ovarian cancer, effective prevention strategies may be the best way to reduce the mortality of this most lethal gynecological malignancy. Increasing evidence supports the hypothesis that the fallopian tube is the site of origin for the vast majority of high-grade serous carcinomas. Our growing understanding of the pathogenesis of this disease offers a rare opportunity to explore new preventative measures like bilateral salpingectomy, which may provide great benefit without compromising ovarian function. If this tubal paradigm is accurate, and the data seems to suggest that it is, the impact of bilateral salpingectomy could extend to several groups of women, including BRCA1 and BRCA2 mutation carriers, high-risk non-carriers, and even average-risk women. So in this podcast, we will review the data on risk Reducing salpingectomy. Is it time to be liberal and opportunistic with such procedures? Well, the data suggests yes, it is. Okay, so remember that epithelial ovarian cancer is a leading cause of death from gynecological malignancy in the United States. The majority of cases of epithelial ovarian cancer present at an advanced stage, which accounts for the high mortality rate. This is likely due to early peritoneal dissemination with an absence of symptoms in early stage disease. Now, while serum CA125 and pelvic ultrasound have been evaluated as potential strategies for early detection, at this time, there is no effective screening test, especially since both CA125 and pelvic ultrasound are highly nonspecific for the condition. Risk factors for the development of epithelial ovarian cancer include age, menopausal status, reproductive history, and most significantly, family history. Hereditary breast and ovarian cancer syndrome is an inherited condition characterized by an increased lifetime risk for developing breast cancer and epithelial ovarian cancer. The majority of individuals with hereditary breast and ovarian cancer have a mutation in the BRCA1 or BRCA2 genes. This confers up to a 40% lifetime risk of developing epithelial ovarian cancer. The prevalence of these germline mutations has been estimated to be as high as 1 in 400. Because of the lack of an effective screening test, removal of the ovaries and fallopian tubes, also known as risk reduction salpingo-oophorectomy, or RRSO, is recommended for prevention in high-risk women. There is strong data supporting this approach, which has been demonstrated to result in a 75-96% to decrease in ovarian cancer risk and a 50% decrease in breast cancer risk in BRCA mutation carriers. Now, with recent data, this suggests that the majority of this impact of risk reduction is actually in BRCA2 mutation carriers. However, RRSO results in surgical menopause, which has a significant impact on cardiovascular health, osteoporotic health, as well as quality of life because of hot flashes, vaginal dryness, dyspareunia, and changes in sexual function and body image. 
It is challenging to determine the optimal time frame in which women will achieve the greatest benefit from RRSO. However, recent data does point to the fact that the fimbriated end of the fallopian tube seems to be the origin of the majority of high-grade serous ovarian cancers. It is therefore reasonable to consider incorporating salpingectomy, which is removal of the entire fallopian tube with conservation of the ovaries, which may provide protection against disease without the morbidity of premature menopause. All right, when we come back, let's take a look at the growing body of evidence supporting the tube as a site of most serous epithelial ovarian cancers. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Once again, high-grade serous carcinomas account for 70% of all ovarian cancers. These are the most common and among the most lethal of ovarian malignancies. High-grade serous ovarian cancers often present at an advanced stage and are associated with TP53 mutations, BRCA mutations, and other defects in homologous recombination. Early theories about the origin of epithelial ovarian cancer stem from epidemiological studies associating incessant ovulation with the development of malignancy. However, the growing use of RRSO in the high-risk population, in addition to improvements in pathological assessment over the past two decades, have given pathologists an opportunity to detect occult invasive or intraepithelial neoplasms, furthering the understanding of the pathogenesis of epithelial ovarian cancer. The identification of occult invasive disease in the fallopian tube and serous tubal intraepithelial carcinomas, known as STICs, that's S-T-I-Cs, now understood to be a precursor lesion to high-grade serous carcinoma, have provided some of the most robust evidence for this tubal hypothesis. Additional evidence supporting the tubal hypothesis is that molecular markers and gene expression profiles between high-grade serous ovarian cancer cases and lesions found in the fallopian tube do correlate. This adds growing evidence that suggests that epithelial high-grade serous ovarian cancers do have an origin in the fallopian tube. Nonetheless, despite this growing body of evidence suggesting a tubal origin of high-grade serious ovarian cancer, there is a primary concern. The primary concern about routine salpingectomy is the potential effect on ovarian function, including its impact on the timing of menopause. Remember, evidence suggests that women with a prior hysterectomy experience menopause earlier than those without hysterectomy, raising concerns about the additional impact of salpingectomy on ovarian perfusion. But many studies have sought to quantify the impact of salpingectomy on ovarian function, and they have reassuring results. A multi-center randomized controlled trial of the impact of opportunistic salpingectomy during laparoscopic hysterectomy was published by Song in 2016. 
This showed that while anti-Mullerian hormone levels were significantly decreased from pre-op levels in both groups, there was no significant difference between the salpingectomy and the no-salpingectomy group. Now, Morelli et al. also examined anti-Mullerian hormone, follicle-stimulating hormone, and estradiol in 79 patients who underwent hysterectomy with or without bilateral salpingectomy for benign disease. They found no significant difference in ovarian function after surgery and no significant difference in perioperative morbidity between the two groups. And a similar study by Finley compared 30 premenopausal women undergoing laparoscopic hysterectomy with ovarian preservation for benign indications, 15 of whom had concurrent salpingectomy. Antimalurian hormone levels were not significantly different at baseline at 4 to 6 weeks and at 3 months post-op in women with salpingectomy versus no salpingectomy. No differences in operative time or estimated blood loss were found. Data also suggests that even when a wide excision is taken to completely excise all the fallopian tube tissue, salpingectomy does not negatively impact ovarian reserve or perioperative morbidity. Okay, now that we know that ovarian function seems to be preserved with opportunistic or risk reduction salpingectomy, what does that mean for prevention in the general population? Compelling evidence has shifted common practice towards ovarian conservation, with recent data suggesting that over 50% of women who undergo hysterectomy for benign indication will have their ovaries left in situ. Historically, there was little consensus regarding the practice of salpingectomy, and many women were left left with a complete adnexa in situ following hysterectomy. But as the tubal hypothesis emerged, so did the question of salpingectomy in average risk women as a means of risk reduction. Based on new and continuously evolving data, many are now advocating that opportunistic salpingectomy become the standard of care during surgery for benign gynecological conditions. So, where are we now? Well, in addition to guidelines released by the Society of Obstetricians and Gynecologists of Canada and Royal Australian and New Zealand College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, both the American College of OBGYN and the Society of Gynecology Oncology now recommend that salpingectomy be considered at the time of surgical sterilization or hysterectomy for benign disease. As salpingectomy becomes more prevalent in the benign gynecology community, it is crucial to continue to investigate its safety and efficacy. Future studies should aim to determine the rate of pre-invasive disease in the fallopian tubes of average-risk women, as well as the potential sequelae of leaving the ovaries in situ. Well, what does this mean for the high-risk woman? Well, remember, as there is no effective screening test for epithelial ovarian cancer, the standard of care in high-risk women is risk reduction salpingo oophorectomy. Multiple prospective and retrospective studies evaluating RRSO in BRCA mutation carriers demonstrates a 75 to 96% decrease in ovarian cancer risk, as well as a marked reduction in breast cancer risk and overall mortality. Now, while RRSO is generally recommended by age 40, the proportion of women actually undergoing RRSO is estimated to only be 60 to 70%. And remember, this is in high-risk women. This is likely due to concerns about the impact of premature menopause, and that is a valid concern. 
All right, so here's a clinical pearl. Remember, it's been published that the highest incidence of ovarian cancer differs between BRCA1 and BRCA2 mutation carriers. BRCA1 mutation carriers tend to have the highest incidence of ovarian cancer between the ages of 50 and 59, whereas with BRCA2 mutation carriers, the highest incidence of ovarian cancer is a decade later, about 60 to 69 years. So the current recommendation is that for women with BRCA1 mutation, because they're at risk for earlier onset of cancer, it's recommended that RRSO be considered at age 35 and be done no later than by age 40. But because of the concerns of menopause, interval salpingectomy with delayed oophorectomy has been proposed as an alternative strategy to traditional RRSO in the management of these high-risk women. During the interval salpingectomy, this procedure should be done with the fallopian tube entirely removed, including the fimbrial end. Alright, so here's yet another clinical pearl. While interval salpingectomy with delayed oophorectomy may hold a promise of benefit with minimal risk, there are significant concerns regarding its application in these high-risk women. The degree of protection is really unknown, especially as it is still unclear what proportion of epithelial ovarian cancer is tubal in origin. The need for two separate operations increases surgical risk and may lead to decreased acceptance of and decreased compliance with completion of delayed oophorectomy. Additionally, when compared to RRSO, bilateral salpingectomy will almost certainly not confer any breast cancer risk reduction in women with hereditary breast ovarian cancer syndromes. Given the proven benefit of RRSO in women at elevated risk, the risk of deviating from this strategy must still be carefully considered and evaluated prior to incorporating interval salpingectomy with delayed oophorectomy into practice. All right, so remember, current evidence indicates that the fallopian tube plays a major role in the pathogenesis of epithelial ovarian cancer. Salpingectomy represents a novel and potentially effective risk reduction option. Now, in the general population, it is now standard practice to offer salpingectomy for sterilization and to remove the fallopian tubes at the time of hysterectomy with ovarian conservation. As adoption of these procedures increases, the rate of ovarian cancer in the general population should decrease over time. The role of salpingectomy in high-risk women is still a source of debate. As genetic testing becomes more accessible, greater numbers of women are being identified as having an inherited predisposition to epithelial ovarian cancer. These women are therefore candidates for surgical risk reduction. While interval salpingectomy with delayed oophorectomy holds promise as a risk reduction strategy for those with an inherited risk, many unanswered questions remain. Prospective research is crucial to the safe incorporation of interval salpingectomy with delayed oophorectomy into routine practice in these especially high-risk women. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls.